We are all consumers. If you were asked, what improvements would you like to have when you do business with an online business? What would that be? A mobile app? Better website? Or maybe no more music on hold? Well, today I'm speaking with Martin Copini. He's the European practice lead running the customer experience and intelligent business at NTT. For over 20 years in the contact center business, he's worked everything from the technical side of things through managing contact centers and now, of course, consulting. His company, NTT, brings out a study every year on the state of EX and CX. And we're going to talk about what it is that consumers want, the disconnect between the boardroom and the customer care center, and why burnout is but a big problem. My name is Andrew Mayer, and welcome to the New Normal Podcast. This podcast is about innovation and innovating in these digital times. Martin has spent two years working from home and began his current role a year ago and has had to adjust to a virtual way of working like many of us. I was looking forward to chatting with him as he also has vast experience working within organizations to make change while also seeing the challenges those changes face, often leading to let's cut some corners thinking just to please the boss. We also talk about what two years of change mean going forward. Will this be the new normal? Will we go back to many of our previous ways? Are 12-year-old tweets still relevant? We talk about a lot of this and more. If this sounds interesting to you, then let's go. Martin Copini, CX Practice Lead at NTT. Martin, I've got a quote for you first. 60% of 18 to 34-year-olds talking to someone while texting. And when they were asked, they said, we're not asocial, we're just really modern. So I've got to ask Martin, do you text people while you're talking to them? I have to be honest here. I, uh, I think I'm guilty uh, on occasion. <laughs> that quote that was a tweet you put up on May 2010. It's almost 12 years old. And probably back then you were thinking, why would people be texting while talking? And now you've already admitted 12 years. Yeah. You're up with yeah. the rest of them. I need to get a couple of jargons for the listeners here out of the way. We're going to talk about CX, EX and UX. And not everybody's going to know what all those mean. Customer experience is abbreviated as CX. Employee experience, an interesting one, is EX. And user experience, I think many people will know when we talk about how software is designed, how websites are designed, how applications are. And I also have to say, Martin is going to bring in a whole army full of research with him today. It's something that his company uh, specializes in, one of which these documents uh, that are all listed in the show notes before, the global CX Again, CX Benchmark Report. I know really well every year they bring this out. It's full of great insights and uh, very quotable and tweetable insights out of there as well. The other is called the Global Workplace Report, which I assume is about employee experiences. I find it funny that the CX and UX are pretty widely known, but EX, not a new word or a new phrase, but hardly spoken about until recently. Why the recent and more prominent focus on employee experience? Yeah, it is strange that it's it's new all of a sudden because employees have been around forever, right? And now all of a sudden we're focusing on it. But of course, this has been accelerated by the by the whole pandemic. Uh, decision makers and the leadership all of a sudden they realize, wow, people are working from home. All of a sudden they're they're not near us anymore. They're not around us. They're they're sitting at home. Do they have the tools they need at home? Do, do they still uh, feel as engaged as they would with their 
with their company, with their uh, colleagues and, and with customers, of course, as, as they were when they were just sitting here in the contact center or any department uh, for that matter. So organizations really started focusing more on the, the employee experience. And when you're talking about employee experience, in my perspective, that, that means employee uh, engagement and employee enablement. Those are the two big topics uh, right now accelerated by the pandemic, as I said, the whole working from home uh, situation we're in right now. And of course, the whole working from home is slowly turning into hybrid working. And for some, it has been like that for two years. As you mentioned, some of us were working at the office all this time, and some of us have been working from home. 100% 100% all this time. Uh, but we still, we, we need to be enabled to do our jobs when we're working from home, right? And we need to feel engaged. So uh, you, told me, a, you told me before we started uh, a recording here that you've been working at home for two years, as so many other people probably yeah, have. Yeah. You're a practice lead of a team of consultants and people out there working. You're running a very virtual business right now. Yeah, the, the go-to-market teams for CX, they are in most European countries. And obviously, uh, I haven't been able to travel to them. I did manage to visit the Belgian team because obviously they're pretty close to me. I'm based in Amsterdam. I, I met the Dutch team, obviously, a couple of times. And I managed to sneak in a flight to Poland, to Warsaw, to meet the team there between lockdowns. But uh, that was it. So I've been running a <laughs> virtual team. So most of the people in my teams, I've never met them other than on, on video. Yeah. A piece of research, 83% of contact center workers are facing imminent burnout. This is in the UK, I believe. 83% imminent burnout. That's that's pretty scary. It is actually. And I think there's a couple of things going on there. Uh, a lot of companies have staffing problems, right? Especially in customer service. When I ask around my customers run customer service teams or organizations and ask them, what is your number one challenge? It's not working from home. It's not technology. It's not uh, a low customer satisfaction. No, it's people, people, people. They're having big troubles just getting and keeping the staff they need. And we've all heard about the great resignation over in the US, but it's apparently it's happening over here as well in Europe and uh, especially in customer service. Uh, people are just walking away or getting burnt out and it's impossible to, to, to find new staff. So it, it is a big problem. And when organizations have uh, trouble finding staff, then the staff that's, that's actually there, they're running double shifts, triple shifts. And if they're all working from home, they have their kids running around. It's a matter of also work life balance. It's been hard for a lot of people. When I think back 10 years, 15 years ago, and to where we are today, let's say the digital time of communications. But over the past 15 years, I just have a feeling that the customer experience is not a whole lot better. <laughs> just a simple example, I had to call Volkswagen and I was just hoping it was going to be like brilliant, right? This is a major automobile manufacturer. And I got into an automated voice system that uh, gave me couple of options. So if you want to talk to a, a representative, say a uh, representative, and it went through a menu of, I think, five or six different options. And by the time I got to the sixth one, I couldn't remember the word prompts they had told me to use. And they didn't say I could use digits to push it in on the keypad. Uh, so, <laughs> so I had to repeat it twice. And then the first time I said it, it didn't understand me. It was a circle of mess that I was thrown an, into. An ordeal, an old-fashioned IVR ordeal. Yeah. This is an ordeal we would have had in 1996, right? I was just embarrassed 
for the company. I was frustrated, obviously, as the customer or the user here. Why are experiences still often so bad? What I've always seen and what I still see is kind of a kind of a disconnect between the, the, the leadership and the, the, the top-down strategy and the actual daily reality that customers and employees have to put up with. The, the strategy rarely matches the reality. And there's still too many organizations that build their customer experience, that build their customer service based on a short-term business cases. Um, they don't look at the, the, the customer journey as such. They're not listening well enough to their customers and to their employees. Hmm. I think that's the main problem here. I mean, they hear the feedback, right? They, they At some level, maybe it's not making it to the top. Maybe it's being filtered somewhere along the way. The floor supervisor, let's stay with the world that I know really well in a customer service center. The floor supervisors know very well the temp- temperature. We talked about this in the pre-roll. Yeah. Uh, they're walking around and anybody who spends a couple of hours in a contact center can tell, are things good or bad? Because you hear it, you feel it, the, the speed people are running around, the number of pieces of paper that are being tossed but or whatever. Their circle of influence is just a small piece of the puzzle, right? Yeah. And I think that's part of the problem, right? I think that's what you're, you're trying to say is, so that, that manager running that center also knows the temperature, right? They're seeing the, the reports of this and that. They're getting the customer survey data that's coming out of the system here. They're preparing that for some you know, senior manager meeting that then is delivered. And and at that layer, often things probably get a little bit filtered and, yep. and maybe not even... Because they have, they have their targets, they have their goals. So uh, they might be brushing up on some <laughs> some numbers. But, yeah. I, I was at a very large Swiss bank. This is now probably going on 10 years ago. And I had come up with a, a, a proposal of things that, that could be done to improve this, this, and that. We got past senior management. We got into the group CIO. Staff managers were all behind me, said, this is going to be good. Let's let's give it a shot. And we went and presented it there. And all the heads were nodding, of course. Everybody's like, yep, this is something we need to do. And then we had a coffee break. And that group CIO, who I'd never knew before, came over to me in the coffee break and said, you know, Mr. Mayor, what you're, what you're saying is exactly what we need to do. But I'm less than five years away from my retirement. And what you're proposing is going to take longer. And I don't want to risk my package. And he is right, of course, that real change uh, takes time. And what you often see, it's it's, it's easier to change uh, stuff in the front end, right? Mm. Fire some agents, hire some new agents, change the website, implement the chatbot. That's all kind of short-term business cases. But uh, if, if the problem is in your back-end systems, in your back-end processes, that's going to take more time. It's going to take years. And uh, you cannot have a good customer experience. You cannot have a, a good effortless experience if the whole process is not straight through, is not effortless. I'm going to throw in a couple of E's now. <laughs> if you want to have a, an effortless experience for both your customers customers uh, and your employees, of course, uh, the, the whole process. So everything, the front end, the back end, the whole experience needs to be uh, both uh, efficient and effective. And you cannot have an efficient process, uh, efficient customer experience, effortless experience. If uh, if you have some, some back end processes, some delivery or fulfillment processes that are slow or broken or, or maybe manual, and, uh, and it's never going to be effective if the, these processes are broken. And you have to have both, right? Efficient and effective. And if it's if it's not efficient, uh, that means it's, it costs too much money for the organization. So they're like, ooh, if you want to fix this, it's going to be too expensive. So this is what you see happening here. 
I interviewed a CEO of a consulting a digital transformation firm in New York City, Howard Tiersky, back in November. And he wrote a book called Winning Digital Customers. I suggest it to anybody who's, who's in the digital customer care, digital consulting sort of space. But I've got a blog post or my newsletter coming out on Friday. That'll be posted on LinkedIn for those of those who follow me here. It's called Adapt or Die is the title of my blog post, but it's also a quote of him. And he was talking about um, the role of digital transformation in companies. And, and, and this is where you're, you're leading into. We're, we're not speaking only about that, but the back end has to support this whole transformation process, right? And the customer yeah. service agent has to have the tools in order to be able to interact with that, that transformation process here. And then the customer has to actually want to work within that process. Every piece of the puzzle has to work together. Yeah, here. you have to get everything right. Yeah. And, um, the whole and, 360 back. And he gave me that quote, adapter die and I thought oh, that's pretty pretty provocative like that fits in a in a tweet really well um, you recently uh, right at the end of the year on LinkedIn you put up an article uh, that was titled a, a CX again all these acronyms a customer experience perspective on building a digital ecosystem and you wrote you were quoted in there cutting corners is rarely a viable CX strategy what do you mean by that Cutting corners, what I think uh, is always a good example of organizations cutting corners is organizations in the last couple of years who put up uh, a chatbot on their website, right? We've all seen loads of these new chatbots popping up the last couple of years. I want to start off with ask, asking you a question in return. How many times did you have a great, effortless, effective experience with one of those chatbots? <laughs> um, uh... Let's say I could count them on one hand. Um, yeah. And it's because probably they, a few things. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because they all seem to have been designed to deflect calls. Yeah. And deflecting calls is on paper is a great short-term business case. You're going to have less calls in the contact center, so you're saving money. But for a customer, as a customer, as a consumer, I don't know what deflecting calls means. I don't. <laughs> this is not doing anything for me, right? You're deflecting my call. That doesn't mean necessarily, and in practice, most at uh, most cases, it, it means I'm not getting an answer to my question. So it might be uh, a chatbot might seem uh, effortless on a website. Hey, there's a chatbot. Let me ask my question. That's pretty effortless. It's digital. It might seem efficient because there's no expensive employee there to answer my question, so efficient money-wise, but it's not effective if I don't get an answer to my question, if it doesn't solve my problem. And in our customer experience benchmarking report, uh, we also asked consumers, what is discouraging you or what is uh, stopping you from using digital and self-service uh, channels, right? If you, you're trying to reach customer service. And actually the whole top five of answers we got comprised of well what can be summarized as i couldn't get the outcome i need or my preferred channel or the service i needed wasn't available it's it's always the same answer so that means it, it might have been effortless and and efficient but it wasn't effective i didn't get the answer i needed I often describe if somebody's on your website, it's like being there within your store, right? You're already here. They might not be logged in. That means you might not have their name or their credit card numbers you had in the store, but they're there. So treat them like that. Uh, you know this, and I've been with the clients recently over the last years, and like everything we need to know is already on our website. Why don't our customers go find it themselves? And um and often that's already the wrong the wrong premise is go find it yourselves why don't you tell me what i need to know what i need to know it 
send me an email saying I'm late paying something is nice when the email address is do not reply at bank.com isn't helpful. Help me solve my problem. Don't just tell me I have a problem. Yeah. So, and, and nowadays we have so many tools available. We have AI, machine learning. We have predictive AI that, that actually already can already predict why you're there, what you're going to do, what your question is, etc. And industry leaders are using these tools to, to help their customers better, whether it's on a website or on, or in a messaging channel or a chatbot, or even to help agents in the contact center to predict what the customer's question is going to be or to predict what the answer is going to be. And these tools are uh, more readily available nowadays, thanks to cloud technology, of course. It's kind mm -hmm. of the democratization of, of these tools. It's it's more and more available, and they're learning faster. They're learning better. So we don't have an excuse anymore. <laughs> so, uh, like like you said a, a couple of minutes ago, it's it's uh, was it adapt or die? Yeah, yeah, adapt or die. If you, yeah, if, if you're missing out now with automation, digitization, and employing AI to help your customers better, to help your employees better, when you're missing out, you're going to you're gonna miss out, you're going to die. You're going to lose to the competition who are doing it right. So how, how can these, how can this digitalization, right? You mentioned AI automation. How can or should this help? Well, let's start with helping the employee experience. Because as you know, as a customer service agent, there's a lot going on, right? There's so much knowledge you have to have in your head. There's all these tools, CRM systems you have to use. You, uh, a lot of organizations like takes months and months of training. Then you uh, finally receive your customer call. You start asking what's the problem, et cetera. And uh, you know, a lot of contact centers used to have these scripts, right? sure. these horrible scripting tools. It's really yes, no, left, right. <laughs> And you could hear it when when an agent was using this script, right? It was frustrating uh, for for you as customers as well. But nowadays, uh, organizations are using, for instance, a real life call transcription. Uh, one hand to see what the call is about, and on the other hand, you have your customer data, and they're trying to learn from from the customer data, the customer history, maybe the purchase history, the contact history. On one hand, on the other hand, what's going on in the call as we speak, real time transcription, uh, to come up with actual suggestions for the agents. So I've seen a couple of examples in contact centers where the agents actually get a transcription of what is the customer's question probably as a pop-up and a probable answer or probable outcome. That saves time, that saves the agent, the, the employee time, energy to actually focus on the on the customer. Yeah. And that and works so much better than focusing on average handling time. We've seen those examples, right? For a year, I was working with a digital automation company here in Europe. And one of the things that I ran across later on, more and more often, because everything gets put under the chatbot, sort of, this is a chatbot, is there's a lot of fear, right? Oh, I don't want to put this out there. It's going to upset my customers or it's not going to work and things like that. And then we had a client that came up and said, well, could we do something else with it here? And something like this. And I listened to what they were proposing. Uh, and what they wanted to do is they wanted to use that automation internally, right? So that the agents, yeah. not just agents, these were also back-end knowledge workers could use the same tools as well. And I said, yeah. of course you could, right? Why not? You could deploy this yeah. across departments. And I said, of course you could. You don't have this whole problem of acceptance in the public realm of a bot that you're you're not sure is going to work, you don't trust it, or you don't feel it's the right time to do it, or your brand doesn't want to uh, be out there publicly. It's so much easier actually with employing a bot internally by asking the users for feedback. It's so much easier when they're your own agents and uh, your agents, your own employees could help train the bots. 
I've seen great examples of that. That's a great best practice I've seen. Yeah. Because of course AI has to learn that you have to train it, and you can use your employees to train it. They're there anyway. You said already you've been working from home for two years. Has there been any data? Did the reports that you guys just put out recently show any effects of the pandemic on customer experience or uh, employee experience? When you look at customer experience, actually, there's a few interesting, interesting facts. I think from the start of the pandemic, over a third of consumers uh, say they found uh, new companies online to buy from, right? You've probably found it because during lockdown, you had to get your groceries or your stuff somewhere. And they're also more likely to buy from companies that have a strong online presence and a good online customer service. And we asked these same consumers, would you be happy using these digital customer service, digital contact channels going forward? And it was like almost all of them, and especially in the younger age groups between 18 and 39, uh, we didn't we didn't go below 18, of course, with consumers, but below eight, uh, 18 and 39, almost all of them said they'd be happy to, to keep using these uh, digital online and self-service channels in the future. And another thing we saw happening is actually that customer satisfaction with these digital channels went up during the pandemic. Hmm. And we're not sure why. It could be because people have gotten more more used to it. But we think also because a lot of organizations reported that they invested more in digital channels during the pandemic. Because, of course, they, were, sure. they had to pivot quickly, right? At the beginning of the pandemic, it was like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? A uh, number of calls is going up or the whole pattern of traffic is changing. We have our people working from home. We have our customers sitting at home or uh, ordering lots more than before. So organizations had to pivot quickly. So they started investing in more digital online channels and it, it kind of paid off. But what that means right now, uh, that companies that did it right, that were able to pivot quickly, they turn into the new leaders and they set the new standard. So that's mm. a very important message for organizations is there's a new standard now. The pandemic acted as an equalizer or maybe even accelerator of digitalization, of automation in customer experience and customer service. They, they raised the bar. Yeah, I think that I agree. I think um, at, when this all began, I was talking to some business partners and we were talking about there's been so much of a push. All the agents had to go home. So all these home agent applications needed to be deployed yep. so that they could work from, from home. The, the knowledge workers needed to do this, this and that. And, and, oh, we've got just this boom of people asking about digital tools and AI and everything. And I thought, okay, that's interesting. If this pandemic is over in less than a year, I have a feeling a lot's going to go back to the way it was before. But if it lasts longer, it could end up being, it could just be the way my podcast, or funny, uh, my podcast New Normal was actually named before the pandemic even happened. I didn't know I was going to be so timely as describing this might be the new normal. I know from your benchmark report, the top three improvements that consumers ask for are the online digital functionality you just described there, uh, fast response times. Nobody wants to wait yep. 10 minutes in a queue or I'll call you back in three days or 48 yep. hours to open up an email. Everything has to be instant. Yep. It's got to be quick and round the clock. They want to be able to do 24 it 24-7. Yep. The third one. Um, yep. I think the 24-7. That's also because we're working from home now. Yeah. Because maybe back in the days, you used to think, okay, I'm going to call this organization 9 o'clock on a Monday morning uh, or maybe in the evening. But everything has shifted, right? We're working yeah. from home. We have our families running around. We Maybe we're working in the evening. Everything is become so much more flexible. So we're expecting the same from from companies, right? 
It's exactly right. I, I needed to get a new company car. So I needed to go into this website, this configurator, and, and pick things out. I did it all on a Sunday afternoon, and I didn't speak yeah. to a single person. Everything was done within the tool, chose the options, got the confirmation uh, email after everything was over. So, so they raised the bar, right? They raised the bar. This is the new standard for me now. This is great. This is easy. It works. The organizations really have to keep that in mind. Am I leading in this area or am I going to be left behind? So just last week, I brought up the subject of online grocery shopping with my wife. And of course, the immediate reaction was, why do we want that? And I said, why do you want to go to the shop to go get milk, sugar, bread, toilet paper? They will bring it to us. We don't have to go anywhere. And I had read a report that if more people were to use uh, grocery delivery services, that the CO2 outputs could be cut by a huge percentage from all these individuals driving their cars to, to the markets. So of course, that got her attention. And then I, I logged into one of these, one of the local, not it's a national store, but they've got a really nice app and a nice website uh, and started looking at it there. And within two days, she was sold. She says, I'll go to the shops to go get the special vegetables or the meats or whatever that you might want to go do that with your local shop. They're going to be delivered from the local supermarket anyway. This is a local store or a chain. So our, our first order is going to probably happen in the next week or two as things get a little bit difficult. But that's exactly what you're talking about. There, that's that store that we bothered to install their app and create a account for if our experience follows and delivers on it and then does what they say they will do, will we bother to look around at the next store's app and process to do it? Probably not. Yeah, no. That's what it's all about right now. Hmm. So my final question, Martin, it's the one I ask all my guests here, and there's no right, there's no wrong. What does innovation mean to Martin? What does innovation mean to me? I always like to use the iPhone analogy. iPhone has been around for a while, but if you look back to the introduction of the iPhone, that was like one of the one of the major innovations of the last decades, right? It kind of changed the world, changed the way we look at smartphones, etc. But if you look at it a bit better, was it really an innovation as such? Because before that, we had our we, we had our Nokia's, we had our Blackberries. Um, it did the same thing as actually as what the first iPhone did, right? We had our smartphones, we could make pictures, we could send emails, all that stuff. We even had our PDAs with touchscreen way before there was an iPhone. What Apple actually did right, what their innovation was, they made, they looked at the, the Nokia, the, the touchscreen PDAs, which weren't pretty good, you know, the touchscreens. And they, they thought like, how can we make this uh, more effortless? Because when you started, remember, when you started using your first iPhone, and then after a while you were so used to it, you thought back to your BlackBerry or Nokia, whatever you had before, and you're like, that was actually pretty cumbersome compared to what I'm doing right now. This is effortless. This works. It's effective. It's efficient. It's effortless. So they set a new standard just by, just by doing things that others had been doing for years. They just made it better. So they they've been listening to they listen to their customers. Actually, they just really looked at what the, what does the customer want? Mm. How can we make what the customer wants easier? And if you transport that analogy to to customer experience, it's the same thing because in the end, people just want their problem solved. They want their question answered. If you ask them how do they uh, want their question answered, how do they want their problem solved, or through which channel or with which button or tool, they don't really care. 
we all think that, oh, people really want to use WhatsApp or chat or they want to do uh, specifically use this channel. They don't really care. They just want it to be effortless, efficient. That's it. That's what uh, Apple did with the iPhone. They just improved it. And that's what innovation means to me. I probably will get the quote a little bit mangled, but I believe it was Steve Jobs who said, start with the experience, the customer experience and work backwards, right, is what you just described there. And that's what what they've done. But I think the takeaway is companies need to be more uh, design centric when they're thinking about yeah. their solutions. Yeah, but this, the customer journey in the center of your design thinking. Uh, the customer the journey, the, the employee yeah. journey, the user journey. What I find interesting of these CX, yeah. EX, UX acronyms is they all have experience in them. And, and yeah. another set of t-shirts I've worn for years, it just says experience is everything, right? If the experience doesn't work, then it was not worth it. So. Yeah. Martin, thank you for being here today and taking a time out. This is probably your lunchtime, but since you don't have to commute to yep, the office, you've saved is. a little bit of time. Thank you for it today. Just walk into my kitchen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I appreciate this, and uh, I look forward to catching up with you perhaps in person for a coffee. And thank you, and I wish you have a great day. Thank you for having me, and I really enjoyed this interview, and um, looking forward to, uh, to seeing it and listening to it online. <laughs>